headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, broadcasting from the Pods Moving and Storage Studio. It's The Ramsey Show, where America hangs out to have a conversation about your life and your money. I am Ramsey at Personality. Rachel Cruz hosting today with Dr. John Deloney. And it's a free call anywhere in the country at 888 825 So we'll talk about your your marriage, your money, your life, your relationships, anything and everything. Just give us a call. Up first is Doug from Boise. Hey, Doug, welcome to the show. Hi, Rachel. Thank you for taking my call today. How are you? We're doing well. Thanks so much. How can we help? So I think I kind of have a bit of an issue on baby step two. I feel like I'm just on a like a debt treadmill where the process is just never ending. And it seems like no matter what I do, to get out of it, I always kind of just slump right back into it. And I think it might be something psychological that I just can't quite figure out. And I was curious to see if you'd be able to help me with that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So just give me a little bit of background, like how much debt, how much did you have left? What's been, what's been your journey? What's caused you to go back in? I mean, it's always just a really small amount of, of credit card debt. I don't have any student loans. I don't have any car payments or anything like that. And every once in a while, I'll find myself getting into a, a hole of about three to $4,000 in credit cards. And I sit there and tell myself, you got to be kidding me. I, I can't keep doing this. You know, if, if I want to make it through this and make it through the baby steps, I think this is kind of just where I'm having my issue. And what, what What's causing you to swipe the credit cards? Is it emergencies that happen? Is it impulse purchases? What's the thing that's driving that three to 4,000 in credit card I debt constantly? I think it might be impulses and things that I tell myself could be emergencies that that aren't emergencies. If I go out and and I'm doing something and, you know, buying something that I shouldn't or saying, hey, there's these new shoes. They're really cool. I need those. So I just think it's a lot of impulses and a lot of things like that. um, That's that's causing that. So I I want you to would you be willing to try something new? Of course. Okay. Um, two things I want you to try new. One, I want you to look at this not as you're a loser and a failure and an idiot, but I want you to look at this as an environmental issue. Okay? Is that cool? Yeah. Because cool. you're in a system now that you've created for yourself. You've just created a loop for yourself where you do this thing and then you feel like crap about it and then you white knuckle your way through it for a minute and then you feel a little bit better and then you go do it again and the whole loop starts over again. Right? You're just yep. like on one of these like kids like train tracks. So let's stop beating up on Doug, number one. Number two, change your environment. Get rid of all of your cards. Cancel Amazon Prime. Make it almost freaking impossible for you to do this. So for me, I am a raging sugar addict. Comically so. Like, my friends make fun of me. It's it's ridiculous. My kids make fun of me. It's like gummy. It's gross stuff. It's not even good. Yeah, it's not, it's even, not even like a Snickers. It's like, or like an apple, Sour Patch apple Kid. Pie. Yeah, it's just gross. It's 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 like a mainline. How? I, yes, yes. I may have snorted sugar before. Oh so gosh. listen. So listen. I have to have a home that doesn't have any of that in it. And my wife, like when I'm out of town, my wife and kids, they have like, they go get ice cream. And it's like, it's it's an enjoyable time for them. I had to create an environment where I don't even have access to it, which then gave me time to let that addiction simmer and stop, and then I can re-enter the world. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. And what I would tell you is, until you're ready to change the environment, you're not ready to stop spending mm-hmm. and to truly get out of debt. And those are the two, like those first two things, Doug, like what John is saying is spot on. And then even when you're out of it and you're kind of in a in a better habit of, okay, I'm not going into debt for this stuff because I don't even have the ability to. I have no I have no credit cards. I'm not being myself up. But then go into the practice because even when you become healthier with money, I think still asking the question, why am I wanting to spend this money? That's right. What is it? Is it because it's going to make me feel good in the moment because I'm sad or I'm depressed or I'm discouraged or I'm bored or is it because I feel bad about myself and this thing's going to make me feel better because I'll get compliments from it like like find that root too because again buying stuff is is not the issue it's why you're doing it is kind of that underneath Doug is what John's kind of getting at as well so and, and I I have found working with at, at people who struggle with addiction you I, I let me just talk about myself mm-hmm. I can't make that change in that environment Yes. I, yeah, I can't yeah. be surrounded by bags of marshmallows and, and gummy candies at, as I'm shoveling them in going, I wonder why I'm doing that. Yep. I need to have a clear slate. So then I'm, when I feel the impulse, I can then stop and say, what am I hiding from here? What is my body trying to protect me from? Right? Yep. And that's the same with alcohol and pornography, all the things, right? Spending here. I love that. Clear the deck and then begin to feel your body and begin to ask, why am I leaning into this why am i trying to cover something up what is it i'm trying to cover up yeah and and just the in the spending in general in life in our country today is so normal you know consumerism is like at an all-time high and so what are the things even if you're even if you're someone listening and you're not doug you're like oh, i'm not going deep in credit card debt there are still things that i even put in place as a natural spender i know myself and even on baby step seven even though we may even have it in the budget i still feel convicted at times of like why am i really doing like what is why am i spending this and so I unsubscribe from emails yep. all the time. I'll go back through because cl- sugar's your thing, clothes are mine. I love shopping. It's just my thing. But I'll go through and I'm like, okay, I'm going to unsubscribe from all these emails because every time there's a sale, anytime there's anything, it pops up in my Gmail account. And I'm like, oh my gosh, there it is. I never would have known that existed on Instagram. I, I unfollow people, not because they're te- terrible and evil, but for me, I'm like, everything that she posts, I want. And I'm like, you know what? Just get, just, right. just, and it's just, just a click away. It's just a yes. click away. And then I never save passwords. I never try to save my debit card information website. Me too. I have to re-log in. Yes. Start from scratch every Cause time. Cause then you're like, I got to go find the car. I got it. And it, and it gives this friction in our purchasing as well, which I think is really, I think it's huge again, whether you're like Doug and you're like, Oh my gosh, I just seem to keep going into it. But even if you're not, I think it's just a good practice to slow down and ask the questions, okay, what, why, why am I needing this? Why do I feel like I want to buy it? And you touched on something important. The companies don't make things convenient because they're your friend. <laughs> they make it convenient because you're more likely just to stumble in and hit buy now, buy now, buy now. So again, I'm the same as you. I have to set with the 4th of July thing came through and this, like the 24 hour flash sale. And I was with yeah. some, a buddy in the middle of nowhere and he's like, Oh, I got to get online. It was so annoying having to re-log in and learn a new thing and punch it. But I have to set those breaks for myself. Otherwise, I'm just buying this bag and buying this thing and I need this new whatever. And it's, yeah, it just gets out of control for me. Yeah. it's. A, are you more natural saver or spender? Oh my gosh. I, spender. Oh. Why did yeah, I even ask? Why did I ask that? That yeah. was a moment where I, <laughs> I Direct the deposit actually <laughs> helped me because I would go to the bank and cash my check and it would never make it home. So actually... 
by the, my company sending the, my check directly to the bank. Dude, it's I, in I, there. They take me out of the equation. Yeah. It actually helps me out. Yeah. Oh, so good. So good. All I right. I love spending. Absolutely. Again, free call anywhere in the country. 888-825-5225 here to talk about your life and your money. This is The Ramsey Show. It continues to amaze me how identity thieves keep finding ways to use our own identities against us. Not only do they commit crimes related to financial fraud, medical ID theft, and insurance benefit fraud, but now we have to deal with home title fraud. Thieves are using your own personal info to take ownership of your home so they can take out loans and you end up with a pile of debt and foreclosure notices. Over 4,000 data breaches happened in 2018, exposing 3.6 billion records. So thieves have plenty of identities to use and there's a one in five chance it will be yours. That's why Xander Insurance is the only program I use and recommend. Their plan covers all types of identity theft, and it takes over all the work if you become a victim. Visit Xander.com or call 800-356-4282. This is The Ramsey Show. I'm John Deloney, joined by Rachel Cruz, and we are taking your calls on money, taking your calls on your relationships, and life, and work, whatever you got going on. We probably got an opinion about it or some expertise. And give us a free call at 888-825-5225. That's 888-825-5225. Let's go to Charlie in Tampa. What's up, Charlie? Hey, John. Hey, Rachel. How are y'all doing today? Doing great. Thanks for calling. Good. Um, well, I have a question about uh, my wife and I have two children. We have a 15 year old boy and an eight year old girl. And, um, you know, they've seen us in their lifetime on, you know, the Ramsey plan and, and doing our steps. And even the oldest um, used the envelope system when he, you know, got a small allowance as a younger kid. Well, this summer he has his first full time job just during the summer. And uh, he's, you know, making his first paycheck. He actually just got this past Friday. And, um, when I mentioned tithing to him, he's, yeah, his reply was, yeah, of course I'm going to give something to the church. But when I was teaching him the, the 10% standard, his eyes got kind of wide because based on a little $20 allowance here and there, that's a very small amount. But when he's looking at the $100 paycheck, you know, that's a lot of money at first. So the question is, um, I just assumed that, you know, we would require him to tithe being, you know, his parents and him leaving our home and, and following our example. Um, my wife's not, at all opposed to that, but she brought up the, the possibility of him being able to make the decision for himself and just wanted to see what, what you both thought on that. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, when it comes to giving, I think whether you're a parent teaching a child or it's yourself, I the legalistic side always rubs me the wrong way. So I'm always, we encourage 10% at Ramsey and I believe I t- we tithe 10% even more, Winston and myself. Um, so I believe in it 100%. But I, I don't do it because it's a rule and it's an obligation. Uh, there's a heart change that occurs when it comes to giving. And so for him, 
um, you know, I, I think it's it's a great exercise for him to learn to give period, right? Because you want to teach your kids the things when they leave home and become adults of like, here are the habits, here are the principles and the values that I want to instill in you as a, you know, as a parent to a child. So when you leave home that almost this is normal, this is, this is how you do life. And so giving is one of those things for me. So giving is non-negotiable. Now, to require 10% out of every paycheck for him, um, I don't know. I mean, I, a part of me is like, I think it's kind of up to you as the parent to decide what it was. And I was thinking with mom at my parents, when we got an allowance, we did have to give, yeah, because we got like six bucks or whatever a week when we were kids. And it was like, yeah, you gave a dollar. It wasn't quite 10%. And, you know, it, they were not very legalistic about it. Uh, and then when I got, when I babysat and worked at the mall and all of that as a teenager, I did give out of it. But I honestly cannot remember, Charlie, if mom and dad made us do the 10%. Um, so for me, it's left less of a math issue and more of a heart issue for him. And I want him to have the heart of a giver when he leaves home and not just like the mathematics of I give 10% and that's what I do. Does that make sense? It does. No, that's a good point. It's and, more of the spirit behind yeah. it that I want to encourage as a parent. Here's here's how, how we do it in our house, Charlie. Uh, and very similar is uh, I think two guiding principles here. Number one, uh, Rachel says that, that more is caught than is taught. And so I think this is, he's old enough now to sit down with you guys and do your family budgets together. Hank um, is my son's 12. He, he probably sits through one out of every three or four budgets now and he rolls his, oh gosh, sorry, dude, you got to sit down and watch us do this. I want him to see that the first line in our budget is giving and we've got, you know, tithing, but we've got places where we give. I want him to see this is how mom and dad roll with their money. He's watching it happen. Sometimes we let him hit the button to send payment X or whatever that, or this got automatically drafted. So we're showing him this is how we do this. The second thing is, is I do think it's important to, like as there's a reason why you're, you're still the steward. You're still a custodian of that money, right? You're still in charge of your kid. And so in our house, we've said, you will give to something. W- giving is non-negotiable. If at this age in your life, you are not choosing to give here, but you're going to give there, I'm going to let you make. So that's where the, that's where the decision-making capability is. So the, he's going to see, my son is going to see, we give to this particular organization that we believe in. We tithe in this way. So every Sunday morning, hey, the lights are on here and the air conditioner works here and our pastors can get up on stage and feed his family because we give. You will give, but you're going to give somewhere. So that's where that latitude comes in. Does that make sense? Because I'm with Rachel. The last thing I want to do is have a son who is counting dollars in a, on a spiral notebook that he was forced to quote unquote give away to a thing he doesn't. You, you see what I'm saying? No, that's a good point. Um, yeah, very, very good to see that that perspective. Because have, you know, we both have no doubt that he is a very generous young man. And we've mm-hmm. seen that. We just want to continue to promote and and encourage that, and and no doubt that he'll be blessed through that. You know, as, as we are, and he sees he sees that and yeah. all the things that you know we're blessed with and able to do together. That's, no, that's a very great point, and that's a good takeaway. Yeah, and and one thing too, Charlie, with parents that, uh, and obviously you and your wife have done a fabulous job. I mean, from what even you've said in this call, like, man, that's such good intentional parenting uh, when it comes to money and your kids. Uh, but And I'm not saying this is you, but there are some people that listen to this show religiously, and they are 
they are hardcore and it is like there's no room for mistakes and we're going to make the kids do everything perfect and we got this and this, this and while the motivation is good because you're like I want my kids to learn this I don't want them to make the mistakes I made uh, you have to give room for mistakes for your kids to learn on their own and so it's better for them to make small inexpensive mistakes under your roof versus going out in the real world and the first time that they make a mistake uh, you know that it's that it's out there so I'm saying all this to say for your, for your son say you guys said hey you have to give but the amount you want to give we're going to let you choose and let's just pretend Charlie he gives one person and he's like here here's just a little bit and then maybe another month he's like oh man I, I do feel like I really love this thing that I'm giving to you I'm going to give a little bit more and he starts to learn himself the feeling of the feeling yeah, of the wow of- what the joy of giving you know brings in him and he's learning that at 15 versus it being a mandate of that 10%. So, And one quick side note, I I don't have any data on what I'm about to tell you. Here's a decision I've made and my wife and I have made in our house. I've invited my son in to, he has a ballpark of how much money comes into our house every month. And I, I was left out of that conversation growing up. I had no idea. Um, and so I think that helps with perspective when he says, whoa, whoa, whoa. It was way easier to put $2 in the, I don't know, the collection plate, whatever that looks, when I made 20 bucks, it's hard to put $50 when I make mm-hmm. 500 and you can it say, is. yeah, I make 75000 Here's what I'm putting <laughs> in, right? And so it helps norm that scale, right? That question you're asking, it helps. And again, I know your kid, he could probably go run to school and say, can you believe my mom and dad make this much? We have had hard conversations about don't talk about money and this is the right way to do this and let's be respectful and these are private numbers, et cetera. But I've just opted to yeah. let him sit down and say, here's what's coming in and here's what's going out. It's I good. want him to have a picture of how the world works. Right? Yes, yes. And that may backfire on me. <laughs> no, I don't think <laughs> it will. Me, no, I don't think it will. But no. I don't know. I know. Isn't that fat? Yeah, that's a... It, it, I think it's so good to show numbers to a point to, to, to your example of like, okay, here's real world and here's what this looks like. And yeah, here's how much cable is. Comcast that work out of our paycheck. Yeah, those shows you watch. Yeah. Here's here's Netflix and Disney, and they're seeing the dollars leave the paycheck, like literally. Yeah. Uh, I think is yeah. Or it was so it was the it was the light bill was the one he saw it on the counter. Uh huh. And he was like, "How much?" I, yeah, it was staggering, right? Yeah. To to a middle schooler, you know, however many hundreds of dollars. Like I couldn't wrap my head around that. And yes. It's like, when I tell you to turn the lights off in your bedroom, that's and why. it was like, oh, you totally, know what I mean? Yep, yep. Uh, when you crank the air conditioner down to like, that has a cost to it, right? See, mom and dad, they did that. They shared certain things, specific numbers, but they we never knew how much they, like, maybe they just didn't trust us. Yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> have trusted were, you. I don't think, I, they were like, we're absolutely not giving Rachel any of that information. My son is so much more trustworthy <laughs> than you were. Exactly. Hank Curler probably. But hey, he is. important thing, Morgan and A, like I'm going to read what Rachel said, grateful for your intentional parenting and parenting. If you want your kids to start engaging in certain behaviors, remember, they watch you way more than they listen to you. So if you want them to be givers, you be a giver. You want them to be generous, you be generous. How you tip people, how you love people, how you tithe and give, if that's part of your value system, whatever that looks like for you, model it and be intentional about teaching your kids.
888-825-5225. This is The Ramsey Show. Listen, every time you hear someone do their debt-free scream on the show, it's because at some point they said, Enough! I'm not living like this anymore. I've had it. And when you get mad like that and do what they did, your life will change too. And right now, inflation and your ridiculous credit cards are killing you. You started to believe you're not in control of your money. Wrong. You have to decide to control what you can control, and that's you, your thoughts, and your actions. You have the power to change your future. We're one of the few groups of people left in the world that still believe that people can change. And Financial Peace University will show you how. This course will teach you the proven step-by-step plan that's helped nearly 10 million people beat debt, master budgeting, and build wealth. And you can do it too. Stop letting debt and money stress control your life. Say enough and take back your control. Start Financial Peace University at RamseySolutions.com slash enough. That's RamseySolutions.com slash enough. Let's go out to Philip in Oklahoma City. What is, let's see where he is. There's Philip. What's up, Philip? Yeah. Hey, how are you? I'm outstanding, my brother. How are you? I'm doing great. Excellent. So what's up, man? How can we help? All right. So I'm definitely not the type of person who likes being in debt at all. It's a icky, nasty feeling for sure. And I was never in debt until I married my beautiful wife who has some student loans and we'd both love to get rid of them. But I've tried a couple budgets in the past and I can't seem to get it right and stick to it because the cost estimates I can't seem to nail down and uh, unexpected costs, things along those lines. So my question is, what are some tips and advice for budgeting and saving money on a lower income? Yeah, that's a great question, Philip. Well, we teach, because there's different ways to do a budget, right? There's like the, um, what is it, like the, the 60-40 rule or the, you know, there's all these different types. So the one that we really recommend using is the zero-based budget. And that's where the income for your month, because you're in a budget monthly, not not necessarily weekly or even, you know, some people do a yearly budget, but once a month and you have your income for that month and then all of your expenses underneath, including giving and saving. And the goal is for that income minus all of those expenses should equal zero. So that's a zero based budget. And so sitting down and doing that, you know, for realizing a couple of things, uh, having a miscellaneous category is huge. And it sounds like that's one of the issues that you have when something comes up, you're like, oh my gosh, we didn't plan for this. Um, So making sure you have kind of that catch all category, which helps a ton. So it doesn't throw your entire budget off. Uh, I would also say to to make sure that you know a good um, estimate of what you spend your money on realistically too. I think some people go into budgeting and they think, okay, I'm going to cut back all this stuff and I'm going to have $75 for food for the month. <laughs> it's like, it's probably not yeah. going to work. Uh, so really making sure, hey, we know what we need not to be, we're not going to be extravagant with it, but like we know what we need um, in categories like food, transportation, uh, obviously your rent or your mortgage. That's a pretty standard one that you'll know predictable month to month. Um, but really testing those out. And the other thing, Philip, is give it 90 days. You have to give yourself three months. A lot of people, the first time they do it, uh, the first month or second month, it doesn't work. So they're done. And you really have to stay with it up to three months because 
things are going to change throughout the month. Uh, again, you predict something in one category, it ends up being something else. You have to end up upping that category, lowering other categories, all of it. So it does take some strategy and being really, really intentional. But some of those things will help. I think, again, doing the zero-based budget, doing it monthly before the month begins, giving yourself 90 days. Um, and then the last thing too, Philip, I would say is to make sure you're tracking your transactions because people will set a budget and then they, that's it. They just set it and they just keep living their life and it gets to the 12th of the month and they're like, oh my gosh, I don't know how much we have left for food um, you know, or, or, or whatever's left. So making sure that you're tracking that and every dollar, our app here at Ramsey Solutions um, does that. It connects to your bank. And so that's a great option if you want to do that or if you want to keep up with, you know, as you're spending money through the month as well. But those are, set, those are again, high level, but really practical ways um, to, to do the budget. And then again, it, it's also sticking to it, like having to say, this is how much we have for food and it's reasonable. We're not, we're not going, you know, we're not starving ourselves, but <laughs> but we have to stay in we have to stay in this and that means making different decisions as well and especially if you have a lower income uh having to to use that income and stretch it as far as possible is really key and then if you guys don't have any savings then a thousand dollar emergency funds uh is the very first thing you want to do before you start paying off that debt uh but that's a uh, and that that's where that savings line item would be. And then once you have that, you can take that out of the budget because you're not going to be saving for anything else because you have your starter emergency fund and then anything extra goes towards that debt to pay it off as quickly as possible. Philip, why do you have a uh, lower income? What do you do? Um, well, I, I work for Coca-Cola and um, I, I do merchandising and I stock and order Coca-Cola for uh, stores. And it's it's about 35K a year. And so it's, it's enough, but it's, it just seems like it's shrinking because of inflation and things like that. And no, so, it doesn't seem like it is. It absolutely is. How, how old are you? I'm 22. Okay. That job that you're working is, is hard work, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's pretty physical. It's very physical. It's hard work. Um, with your work ethic um, and you're, you're, you, you don't have any fear of doing hard work. I think you could go f- get involved in some trades and make $50,000 before the ne- in, in 60 days. I think you could find another job making some money. Do you believe that you can do that? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how many other options there are for me, but I do, I do really love the job that I do as well. Hey, here's too. the deal. You can love it all day long, but you have a math problem, right? Yeah. Yeah. Does your wife work, Philip? No, she she's in full time school, and okay. um, uh, I think this is yeah, this is her last year, and her scholarships will pay the rest of the way through. But but you're 22, still, and it might be that for two years you do something that isn't your dream job or isn't you know fulfilling all of your hearts, it, you know. I don't know, rainbows come out of the sky when you wake up every morning. But you have a math problem. You're just going to put food on the table and you're going to work really hard to get this debt paid off so that when she gets out of school, y'all are ready to run and do whatever it is y'all want to do. It's going to be hard to pay off student loan debt, Philip, on 35000 It's just going to take you guys a long time. So I don't know if that's getting even a a, a side hustle. Changing your full-time career for sure is an option, right. uh, like John is saying. But then also I think picking up other work, again, to get, to be aggressive to pay the student loan off. But I also don't want you guys becoming debt-free 
and still feeling like you're just living like paycheck to paycheck still just because of because of your salary yeah yeah what do you want to do long term brother well um well as as of right now i was actually picturing uh working my way up in in coke uh within the company um and is that is that real I have, um, I, I, I am making about 30% more money than I was when I got hired three years ago. It's still not enough. I, I thought <laughs> if I sing it, you could hear it that way. It's still not enough, man. It's 35,000. You could, you could be making a hundred percent more than you were making two days ago. It's still 35 grand. It's still not enough to get you guys out of the hole. Is there a, is there a track though that you're seeing Philip that you know? Okay. And, and. 12 months it's going to be more like is there a progression that's going to happen though that you know um well i guess i can't say that for 100 percent sure but i know that since i'm being paid hourly and i get an annual raise like um over time i'll become more and more expensive to the company as yeah well. <laughs> exactly and i was just talking to my friend ken colvin and businesses are rolling people back as they get more and more expensive businesses are cutting employees um Take a hard look in the mirror, brother, and decide you're worth more than your hourly rate right now. And just throw a line in the water and see. My guess is you can make ten or fifteen thousand dollars more in short order. This is The Ramsey Show. I'm John Deloney, joined by best-selling author Rachel Cruz, and we're taking your calls on life and money, 888-825-5225. Let's go out to Michael in Denver. What's up, Michael? How you doing, Dr. John and Rachel? We're good. We're good. What's up, man? How can we help? Uh, calling today to seek some advice. Um, I'm on Baby Step 7. Um, nice. So Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Um, so I'm debt free and I own my home. Um, and my girlfriend and I are considering taking the next step in our relationship. And I would like to rent out my home, um, move in with her for a short time to, uh, build up some, um, more money. And then she would be selling her home and we would purchase a home together. And, I am not sure if that would be the right thing to do. Um, a lot of the things say yes, as my home is paid off and would generate a very healthy uh, passive income um, to pretty much pretty much cash flow the the new home um, with the sale of her house and the purchase and the house that we would buy together. So I have. Several thoughts across the board. You want all of them, or just you want me to answer your money question? Uh, sure, you give me all of them. <laughs> all right. Um, so let, let me address it this way: the research is pretty clear that the the relational satisfaction of people who move in together who are not married versus those who are. And I know it's going to get me the the mean cards and letters on the internet. And that's fine. 
It's just nonpartisan data that says every single factor in the relationship. Um, you can just go down the list. Every single factor is different. It is improved when you're married versus moving in. Um, and so when somebody asks me that, um, yes, I go to church. There's, there's that. But this is simply, I just am looking at the data and the chances of your relationship being less structurally sound, right? That's mm-hmm. number one. Number two, when you buy a home with somebody you're not married with, you're in a you're creating a business partnership. And whenever you create a business partnership, part of the partnership is always what happens if this business partnership dissolves. And if you are dating, untangling that becomes a mess. If you are married and you get divorced, and I'm not saying that's going to happen, I'm just putting it out there, there is a there is a plan to follow to divide this stuff up. So what I'm saying is if you are moving into this house and y'all are going to buy another house here and y'all are going to share an asset over here that's supposedly income generating, all that, all that, it, so, it, it sounds like Instagram math is what I call it. It's like if I do this and I move this and I get some Bitcoin and it, what I'm telling you is the chances that some that the that the train gets off the tracks are greater and it's infinitely messier. Right? So let me back up and ask you this. What's your long term play here? Our long our long term play is obviously to create a life together. Okay. Um, I would By getting married? Uh, for, yes, getting married. How long have um, y'all been together? Previ- um, about a year. Okay. All right. She was previously married before, okay. um, has two children, um, was married for eight years. I think one of her biggest concerns is is just making sure that we are, um, you know, going about this the right way. And, um, you know, obviously, like, this is this is going to be, um, this is going to be long-term, so. And I would tell, um, I would tell you the, I, the common fallacy is, um, and it's, it's it makes perfect logical sense, theoretically, it just doesn't play out in real life, is that we're going to practice. You move in with me and my two kids while I'm healing from divorce. We've been together a year. Let's practice what it would look like if we were actually doing this long-term and make sure we're all good. And I get the theory behind that. It makes sense. Um, it also doesn't work in the data. Okay. Okay. It's, it, Rachel and I will tell you, marriage works when you both have jumped. And it's like, we have to do this together or we both hit the ground, right? And that's, that's the way marriage works. Yeah, there's a, there. You know, you can, like you're saying, you can try to say, okay, yeah, let's see, because I just like want to know, like, does 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 she hate the way I brush my teeth? You know what I mean? Like whatever, <laughs> like that. Like you hear all these like little things yeah. about people, and I'm like, none of that. Like most of the stuff that may bother you, that could be like, um, oh, this is a sign we shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Stuff that that that's stuff that doesn't matter in marriage. It doesn't. It and doesn't so there's a point that like there's a relational thing, Michael, here that is really big, really big. That again, I know the culture and the world and everyone's like, oh yeah, that's like what you do. It's the next step in a relationship is to move in together. And so what we found time and time again is like, it's for the best of both of you to come together is to say, hey, we're going to be in a committed relationship and actually get married before we make that step. Um, We're going to go all in on this thing. The other side of that is, I, I wouldn't, and Rachel hop in here, but I would not leverage my paid for house no. um, and then go rent over here and then go take out a mortgage and build something new. It, it gets yeah. so complicated. So complicated. So Michael, if I were you, if I woke up in your shoes, you're on baby step seven, you have a paid for house, you're dating a wonderful woman and you guys have been together for a year. 
And I would say, okay, if you think that this is long term, then like, all right, let's actually plan and let's just pretend this is all pretend. But let's say I'm going to propose in six months. We're going to get married this time next year. We have another year and she's going to, you know, she's going to save. I'm going to save a ton. And once we get married, I'm going to sell my house. She can sell hers. We're going to put the money together and you start off a marriage on a completely emotional clean slate by doing the steps the right way in that sense. But then also you guys financially could be going, could be, it could be amazing. Like you could guys could pay cash for a house together and start your life off. And that's the number one stressor. The number one stressor for new relationships is money. And you would take that off the table. Right. Right. By choosing to get a mortgage and to be a landlord on day one is choosing to, like, hey, let's opt in for more stress in an already bonkers, you know, that's, season of yeah, our life. Yeah, that's one of the things I went back to on FPU is is just what Rachel said. And, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I that's the number one thing that I would like to see for our future is financial stability and no money stress and before house and and, Michael, if you want a rental to good incomes, it would be, it would be amazing. Yep. And Michael, if you want, I mean, and and I come from a real estate family. My my husband works in real estate. My dad loves real estate. Every like real estate is like, it's a, it's a big deal. My family loves it. So I love the idea of passive income uh, of having another property. So even you yourself, not with her until you're married, but if you're making a great income and you have no debt, you could save up and go, you know, buy a condo with cash, rent it out, kind of scratch the itch and kind of figure out, you know, do I want to do this real estate thing? Do I want to invest in real estate? Is this kind of the plan I want to go? All with cash, but you can you can still choose to go down that road. It's not a it's not a this or that kind of thing too. So um, there's some numbers to play with and, and all of that. But yeah, John and I, for the best interest of your relationship and your money, I would not move in and I would not try to rent out your house when it's paid for paid off and all of that so michael i'm gonna, I'm gonna say this is pretty direct and i may even be overstepping my bounds is that okay sure don't be somebody's tryout don't leave your okay. paid for home and a, a and a pretty extraordinary life you've you've lived to go see if you cut it you're worth more than that and, and she is too okay sure um, and I, and again, I, it's not a knock on her. If I'm her, I would be terrified to do this again because I've done it before, right? And it and it painfully hurt for me, hurt the kids, hurt. It made a mess. So I get the hesitation. I hundred percent get that. Right. But when we're both ready to jump, let's both be ready to jump. Not hey, you jump and let me know how deep that water is. Right. And so that that's just hey, if you and me were just having um, grabbing a drink and having some nachos, I would tell you this is just me talking to you this way. Okay. Sure. Um, and. Rachel and I both just have the both the fortune and the misfortune of talking to countless people who thought they were going to buck the buck the data, and it's like, yeah, but we're going to be different, and it just ends up in a mess, right? It just ends up in a mess. So, hey, we're rooting for you. Congratulations on clearly you're brilliant, clear, yeah, well clearly done, you're Michael. a person of integrity. Well done. Um, best of luck to you and your new family. It's going to be awesome. Hey, that's an hour in the books, and we'll be back soon, right here on the Ramsey Show.
Hey, it's John Deloney, co-host of The Ramsey Show. Did you know over 18 million people listen to The Ramsey Show every week? A lot of those people listen on one of our 600-plus radio stations across the country. To find a station near you, go to RamseySolutions.com show. 